And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's the basis. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth is a way to say everywhere. So we, ju we just heard Genesis 1 um, read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So referring to the heaven and earth is a way to say everywhere. So all authority everywhere has been given to Jesus. Now, uh, so for us, as we think about this, the motive or the, or the driving force of making disciples of all nations is because Jesus has authority. So for us, Jesus rose from the dead regardless of what we feel, what we or anybody else feels about it. That's a, that's a bare fact. That's true. Jesus has the authority whether or not people feel like Christianity is for them or not. It's a, it's a fact. It's a truth. All authority has been given to me. So again, the, making disciples for us, which we're going to look at in just a second, is not, well, you know, I, I feel like this verse resonates with me. Um, and that's the reason we do it. We, we do it because of what Jesus says in verse 18. Now, the Hebrew prophet Daniel had foretold what, what would happen. He has this vision in chapter 7, which goes along exactly with what we see here. And in his vision, he says, this is verses 13 and 14, he says, And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. That was probably the Lord's favorite name for himself. He called himself the son of man, more, probably more than anything else. There came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, referring to what we would call the father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So that, I think that gives us a fuller picture of verse 18, that Jesus is the Son of Man, and everything has been given to him, a kingdom that will never pass away, that all nations, languages, and peoples should serve him, that is, should should worship him. Now, authority is a bit of a polarizing word today. Um, you know, on the one hand, it, it kind of offends values that are really important in our society, self-expression, individuality, authenticity. Authority just appears anyway to just come down and say this is the way things are. Uh, there's not a whole lot of individuality in the Marine Corps. But, uh, it, but on the other hand, for some people in our culture, they gravitate toward heavier authority because they believe that without authority, you have lawlessness, you have disorder, um, you have insanity going forth, and so you need authority to come and bring some order into this chaos. Um, but in both, both views, um, really, authority depends on another belief. That is, what is good for people? Uh, is it good for people to have more order, more individuality, or so on? Think about what's going on with Jesus here. He has just died on behalf of other people, on behalf of his followers. He's given his life as a ransom for many, and he's risen from the dead. He was a man who's divine with perfect power and perfect love. You couldn't ask for anything better in terms of authority. You want somebody with authority who's got power to enforce the authority, but you also want someone in authority who's seeking the good of those um, under that authority. Jesus has both. So 
when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, this is not, oh no, I, I have a bad experience with authority. This is a good shepherd, so to speak. He's a good God. He loves his sheep. He cares for them. He's seeking their good. All right, so that's the basis for the mission. What is the mission? One word, discipleship. That is, disciples making other disciples of Jesus. So verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the goal of the mission is for people to become disciples of Jesus. How does that happen? Well, he doesn't say right here, but we see in other, other passages through the, the, the New Testament, the way that a person becomes a disciple of Jesus, first you've got to hear the announcement. Before, before Jesus' death and resurrection, it was the kingdom of God has come. Now that's been filled out. The kingdom of God has come through Jesus, through his life, through his death, for, through his resurrection. And so that is the message. And the response to that in order to become a disciple of Jesus is to turn from living a life apart from Jesus into trusting in Jesus. The word in the Bible for that is repentance and belief, repentance and faith. So we turn away from being our own, own boss, so to speak, to Jesus being our boss. And we, 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 that's the process of, of discipleship. So for that to happen, you see a few other things. Number one, disciples have to go. Disciples have to be around people who are not disciples for that to happen. Now, the way that looks like in our lives is very different. Uh, some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. The way that an extrovert is going to go to those who are not disciples can be different than the way an introvert goes. But both, both people, both individuals, both types of individuals are called to go. Those who are young are called to go. Those who are older are called to go. We're all, we're all called to go. We, um, we who are not monks and nuns uh, are, are not to be cloistered. Um, and you could make an argument that they're not to be. Anyway, uh, that's different. A different sermon for a different time. Uh, we are, we're called to go. We're not supposed to be a holy huddle. There are times where we need to be together for edification, building each other up, but then we're, we're called to go and be around those who are unbelievers. So it could be, um, it, and we look for opportunities to, to share the good news so that other people uh, maybe it's people we're doing business with, maybe it is serving on an HOA with, county council meetings, a high school reunion, a chemistry project, a mission trip, so on. Those are just a small, small sampling of ways that we can go uh, to, to make disciples. Second thing we see in terms of making disciples is baptizing. So a decision to follow Jesus is great, uh, if someone commits to becoming a Christian, that is an absolutely wonderful thing. But the mission doesn't stop with an internal commitment. There's a, a follow-through where a person is officially recognized as a follower of Jesus Christ through baptism. Um, it is a mark of someone being outside of salvation coming inside of salvation. And so baptism includes water, which reminds us of the purity involved in repenting of our sins and putting our faith in Jesus. Um, and also something that we as Baptists emphasize, it also reveals death and resurrection. A person goes down into the water. The old self has died. They come up. The new self in Christ is alive. So there's going involved, making disciples. There's baptizing. And then there's teaching. You see this in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So the words of Jesus 
are vital. And by extension, the words of the whole Bible. Uh, you say the, the whole Bible is ultimately the words of Jesus. But I think it'd be a great thing if, a person, if you're a new Christian, you're trying to figure out what it means to be a disciple. The book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew right here is great. There are five large chunks of the teaching here. It starts out in Matthew. It begins, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, in, in, I believe it's verse 3 of Matthew 5. That's a great start because being poor in spirit realize, uh, is a recognition that you have no spiritual resources before God. So we begin this journey as broken individuals and we remain poor, we remain spiritual beggars for God, realizing the fact that we all, we've all messed up and we will continue to mess up. But we follow this um, journey to Jesus. All right, so as we, then we, the, the other thing, um, that we see who is the target of the mission. You're thinking, how many questions are we doing here? Uh, there's two more questions. Who's the target of, of the, or the, the pool, so to speak? All nations. Um, so verse 19 again, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So all nations, or the, the uh, word could also be translated Gentiles, people beyond simply Jews. Jesus is talking to a bunch of Jews. He's telling, baptize them, that is, all nations, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that is the Trinitarian name, the one name, three persons, one God, three persons. That will be the defining characteristic of all nations once they are baptized into, uh, into his name. The church is a, is a great unifier, should be a great unifier of separate people in a very polarized, divided age. Uh, it's that Trinitarian name, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If we are faithful by God's grace in carrying out this, people should be united in a, in a way in the church. They at least have been in the past. Should be united in a church where there's no other... No other institution can do that. Um, and so all, we're, we are called to go to all nations. Um, the church should, should be filled with very, very different kinds of, of individuals. Uh, all nation, uh, Daniel um, elucidates this a, a little bit more. People who speak different languages, people from different areas, different people groups, and so on. Now, lastly, last question. Who will help with the mission? So we've thought about the mission. To whom has the mission been given? What's the basis for it? What is the mission? Uh, who, where's the mission uh, uh, directed to? Now, who will help with the mission? Jesus Christ himself. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The mission's hard. We're going to fail in carrying out that mission. We look at our own lives. We have Fail, but it's not on our strength. This is not a here's what you need to do, Christians. This is a here's what we need to do. Ultimately, we can't do it. So Jesus is going to come along beside us and help us. Uh, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the age is a phrase that in other places Jesus is referring to, to Judgment Day. So he's going to be with us all along. Um, our our mission as disciples of Jesus is to make more disciples. Jesus of Nazareth, God in the flesh, came to us to die for our sins, and to rise from the dead. He has all authority right now. It seems impossible to carry out this mission, but he will be with us. I think about these words 
We'll conclude with this from the Apostle Paul from first, uh, 2 Timothy. Some of the last words, at least that we have, that the Apostle Paul ever wrote, where he says uh, he'd been brought to Caesar or Caesar's court and people fled uh, from him. And he was there. It sounds like he was standing alone. It was a very, very... He knew, I mean, he knew his death was imminent, uh, and it was a very, very difficult moment. And he says, at my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word, and all the Gentiles, that is all the nations, might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we think about this, we should think, who's, who's sufficient for these things? The Lord is sufficient for these things. And he will be with us when we fail. And he will be with us when we succeed. And our success will be ultimately because of him and for his glory. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer.